Welcome home. You're listening to the Life Center Rainier Weekend Message. So good to be together. Uh, if you're new, my name is Jesse, and we are so honored that you would come and join us this morning. And we've been in this collection of conversations called Rhythms. I don't know if this has been helpful for anybody else, but it's been very helpful for me. And so by God's grace, he's teaching me through helping teach others. Come on, anybody ever found themselves there? Yep. And so we've been talking through the different rhythms, you know, the, the initial conversation that we had, we talked about what this world offers in rhythms. And then we engaged with the grace of God and the unforced rhythms of his grace that ultimately leads us to a different place where work and rest are not in competition, but they are completely congruent, that God has created us in rest for work, that we don't work for rest, but we work from the reward of rest and engage with the work that is at hand. And so he's allowed us, afforded us the opportunity to know the goodness of a purpose in this place. And it comes from this absolute place of peace in our souls where we can do what one friend says, have a seat on the inside. How many of you this summer have been able to take a rest? Yeah, very minimal hands. Some of you are so tired right now, you can't even raise your hand. And it's a reality that we all deal with. And so this portion or this time of these talks, I just think are very timely. And so I just pray that today would help us just the same. The subject matter in which we will engage today is communion. Communion. And the title of my talk is Time, Time to Look. Time to Look. Uh, I just... I believe that God is going to speak profoundly through his word, and I believe that he'll allow me, afford me the opportunity to be his vessel to help encourage us today to take great inspection of what the gift of communion ultimately does, and it brings us to this place where we would slow our roll. You ever heard that term before? I say to my kids all the time, slow down, bro, pump your brakes, right? And uh, I, I just, I love my children. They're such a gift, and they constantly give me illustrations to share with you. At some point, they're going to start charging me, but don't tell them this far. Um, a few years ago, we were living in uh, one of my family's uh, home. It was ultimately my grandmother and grandfather's house out in Lakewood. Any friends live out in Lakewood? Yeah, hey, come on, Lakehood, where you at? And... Uh, <laughs> You could take the boy out the hood, but yeah. And, uh, and so we were living in Lakewood. And when I was a young, uh, young person, I lived in Lakewood off of Nyanza. Anybody remember Nyanza Drive? Hello? And uh, we, would, we would drive by and we'd go to my school. And, and there was a dense population of forest. And there was this one sign. It was a lion's rotary sign. It's like the face of a lion. Have you guys seen this before? And I used to think to myself, that means there's lions in the forest. Anybody ever seen something and became presumptuous and thought, I know the answer? You know what the reality is, is that it doesn't have to be true to be believed. Come on, that's another side sermon for another day. And so I, I, I always thought that that just meant there was lions in the forest. And so I had a day where I was driving with my son, my oldest boy, Jace, my ace. He's, he's the middle child. He's like the lover. He's like me. He's really kind and sweet. And... And so it was me and him, we got to have a little daddy, son time, and we were in our minivan. I used to have a truck before a third child, but now we have a minivan, and so um, 
I'm praying for the day to come to a conclusion as we will pass the minivan stage. Jesus' people said amen. And so we were in the van. It was just me and him. And we drive past this sign. He goes, Dad, you see that sign? That means there's lions in the forest. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Apple doesn't fall very far from the tree now, does it? And I said, no, it's not just lions. It's tigers and bears. Oh, my. So I'm like feeding the fire, right? I'm like, yeah, bro, there's lots of stuff in there. And I was like, are you scared? He's like, a little bit. I was like, okay, I'm just kidding. There's no lions, there's no tigers, there's no bears. The reality is, is that it is a sign for a rotary club. What's a rotary club? I ain't got time to talk about. <laughs> Nobody really knows. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I think we can look at the right thing in the wrong way, and we can miss the ultimate understanding of what it is because we won't slow down enough to engage with it long enough to see what it ultimately says. And I think it's time to look at communion and ultimately connect all the dots and make sense of why we take time to do this thing called communion. And, and, and I didn't grow up in the church a lot of you grew up in the church. You were born on Saturday, in church on Sunday. Come on, where are you guys at? Yep, yep, hallelujah. And, and I just think we're so presumptuous oftentimes, aren't we? We'll say things like, well, you know, in the Old Testament where Moses da 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 And we'll just say things that are, we're expected to have a, a base of understanding. And if we are a church that's expecting guests, and we are, because we extend invitation... We expect that people are going to come into this place that have no understanding or the concept of what communion is. And, and, and even more so, a lot of us have been doing this thing and taking it for a length of time, and we still lack the complete understanding of the power of what it is. And so we need to take time to slow down and take the rhythm of rest to bring us to the place where we would commune with our God in the original purpose. And so I want to give us some scripture basis and background. And before I do, I'll share this short little verse out of Psalm 23, verse 5. It says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I just really believe that as God knows what we need, he ultimately leads us to the places that we won't necessarily go for ourselves. But he's ultimately drawing us to the table in which we are called to connect and commune with him. You know, back in the, the Bible days, there, there was a different type of table. The tables weren't like they are today. They were um, not as high and have chairs. It was different. Come here, John. I want to invite John. Give it up for John as he comes. And so the, the tables, the Bible says that Jesus reclined at table and broke the bread and drank the wine. Other, other portions of scriptures, it says that Jesus reclined at table with sinner and tax collector. That's why I asked John to come and join us this morning. You're a Steelers fan, right? By the blood. Jesus help. And so you don't have a side gig with the IRS, do you? So that only leaves one option. And uh, <laughs> you are so kind to come and just let me 
love you. I think so too. And so we've got some juice here, symbolic of the, the communion meal, juice representing the blood of Jesus. And then we've got some um, coffee cake from yesterday's men's lunch or uh, breakfast. Yeah, it's a little, a little stale. That's okay. Ooh, I need to. Mm. Ooh, that's good stuff. And um, yeah, clinky. And, and so the, the difference in the day was is that we don't sit uh, and lounge like Jesus did. There's a lot of context to his communicating of these things where he says that he would bring the disciples to the upper room. You know, you've seen the picture of the painting, uh, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. He put that. <laughs> They're coming this morning, friends. Be ready. And uh, it's just a little different. You know, the way that Jesus engages is in a way that he calls us to a place of rest. Ultimately, we rush through this process. We'll hurry up and take the double-stop cup like a Big Mac, peel off the top, get the wafer out, pop it in, take a sip, and move on. Let's get to the real message. That you can say anything if you're down this low and nobody can see you. You can't throw stuff at me. <laughs> but I just think we got to come back to the ultimate premise and purpose in why which Jesus called us to this place of rest. It's so he could really connect with us. You know, this, this meal, this communion meal was ultimately Jesus engaging the people for the new covenant. And it was engaged with the old covenant in the Passover meal. And so he talked about what the Passover meal ultimately was, and it was the deliverance of God's people out of Egypt. And they were ultimately in this suppressive, oppressive environment that God delivered them from death and from the pain of, of living a life under the, the rule of law. And he gave us the, the gift of coming to him in his grace. But in the Passover meal, there were a couple other elements that were a part of the meal. Excuse me, I, coffee cake's getting me here. And, and there was the lamb that they slaughtered and cooked and prepared. And there was also another little side dish of, of bitter herbs with salt water. And it was symbolic of the tears of God's people as they lived in oppression and the bitterness of the life that they endured. And the lamb was the sacrifice which we don't see in the physical form that we now are being served by the lamb of God and he's taken the bitterness of this life and all that it has to offer and he's now giving us a place to connect and commune with him once again and he says, take my body or coffee cake and it was broken for you and I. And he says, but also remember the, ooh, clinky, splashy. <laughs> the, the juice, which represents the blood of Jesus. Thank you so much, John. Can you give it up for John? Is he is such a willing helper? But Jesus does it a little different. He calls us to a place of rest to commune. And I want to take a time here to look into this portion of scripture. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll start in verse 23. And this is a letter from the apostle Paul. Paul is the man who got beat up, shipwrecked, knocked down, persecuted, uh, stoned, 
that means something different today in the Northwest. Um, <laughs> I mean, one point he got, he got beat with rocks so bad that he got back up and he walked back into the same community and started preaching again. I was like, he, he probably took a cup too many lumps to the head. <laughs> yeah, he's got Dane Bramage. And sorry, that's funny. And so Paul is the person that Jesus is using now to help bring a corrective conversation to the church at Corneth. Because ultimately people were looking at the right thing and engaging in it with a wrong, the wrong way. He says some of you are coming here just to get full. To be consumer Christians. To get full on the, the bread and, the, and the, the, the things that will fill you up for the day. But then you limp through the days of the rest of the week and figure out, man, I'm starving. And, and, and he says, some of you are coming just to get drunk on the wine and get, you know, the goosey goose bumps in the, in the worship. And the, we come into these environments looking for satisfaction, but ultimately Jesus goes with us as we leave these doors. We don't have to just come to certain places to partake of this gift of engagement and communion and connection with our King and Lord. And so Paul is giving these words to this church and helping bring clarification of a deeper look of what this communion is. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night was betrayed, took the bread. Now I just want to pause for just a minute. Some of you may know this, others may not. Paul was not present with Jesus as one of his disciples. He wasn't in the picture that Leonardo painted Paul, he says that he received from the Lord what was also passed on to you. What did he receive? He received the Holy Spirit. Amen. He received the revelation of God by way of the Holy Spirit. And some people, I don't know if you're open to this in your theolo theological understanding yet, but let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is alive and active today. He's poured out his spirit generously on all people. Young men will dream dreams. Old men will prophesy. Come on, God is giving the gift of revelation. But not just for us to amass understanding. It's for us to put it into practical application. And this is not a, a, a stylistic form just because I'll talk louder or wear crazy shoes doesn't make me Pentecostal. No, what we believe is the power of the Holy Spirit alive and active today is how we believe that God is up to his goodness. It's not a style. It's not about a practice. It's about a power that we have access to. He says that, he gave him this, this, received this from the Lord, and he's passing it on to us. He says, on that night, he was betrayed. He took the bread, and he gave thanks. Somebody say, give thanks. And he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, of all the gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and little John, what? Okay. Sorry, friends from Lakewood get it. And all the gospel narratives, every one of them has this account. Some of them will say that he did this on the, the, the day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover meal. One of the gospel narratives say it was a day early. Now, he's engaging with us to give us a better understanding. It continues to go on. Back again, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 11, there it is. He says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Now pause, keep that right there for just a minute. He's saying, look, I want you to connect the dots. The one who is and was and is to come is the same one that in the beginning, he says, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us who are in perfect communion and connection with oneself, let us create man in our like image. He's saying, I was there at the beginning. I'm going to be the one who comes back in the end. And I want to connect the dots in all of this. What you did back here, I'm doing today in a new way. A same old understanding is bringing a brand new revelation of why it's so critical and essential for us to engage. He's saying the, 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 the angel, the death angel that once passed over you, right? He says, if you put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, on the side posts and the doorposts, he says, don't put it on the ground because the blood is to be revered and never trampled upon. He says, this blood will cover you, protect you. And because of this, the death angel will pass over you. You know how many times I've looked at this and I thought that's demonic. No, no, no. He says, it's a death angel that he was sent to kill off God's enemies, not God's family. And, and, and we look at this thing wrong because if a, an angel couldn't permeate the blood that covers, the devil will never permeate and get past the blood that covers. One of the most powerful prayers we can ever pray is the blood of Jesus. Come on, why do we come and we start to pray and we say, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, when we need to pray powerful prayers, we start talking about the, the, the healing implications of the blood. We start engaging with the power of what it means to preach the name of Jesus. He says this name is so powerful that everything will bow in the mighty name of Jesus. Cancer will bow at the name of Jesus. Anxiety will bow at the name of Jesus. Death and decay will bow at the name of Jesus. And he's so instrumental. He brings it all together. What you think was very archaic is ultimately the power of the Christ that came to bring it all together. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Anybody ever read this and got freaked out besides me? I was like, oh no, I just, it was like McDonald's drive-thru. It was just time for communion. I just popped top and shot and took, you know, <laughs> bottoms up. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I gonna die? I'm gonna go to hell. No, we just have to take time to look a little bit deeper. It goes on. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we, could, we would not come under such judgment. I just think as we break this scripture down, it'll give us 
broader understanding and a practical application of how we're not going to just flippantly look past this and look to it and not understand the depths of what it ultimately is leading us to do. And it's leading us to a place to take a pause where we will come to the table of the Lord and we will sit and be at rest and take time to look past the current realities of this life. And he says, slow your roll. The rhythm of God in his grace will lead us of this place to connect with him at a deeper level. And I will give you, I will afford you these connection points so that you will understand the gift of this connection. And so I want to give us just four quick little practical things that will help us understand this at a deeper level. And the first thing we need to look to is, number one, write this down if you would. We need to look back at the cross. We need to look back at the cross. This is what communion should constantly remind us of, the cross of Christ. Paul says this earlier in Corinthians. He goes, I don't don't preach with eloquence, lest I strip the cross of its power. He says the cross of Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us are being saved, it's the power of God. See, I don't know if you recall all that you've been saved from, but I didn't go from bad to good. I went from dead to alive. Anybody else? I I just got to remember that there's a chapter in my book that I don't want anybody to read. I am so conscious of this. I don't even put it in the chapters at the beginning of the book. I do whatever I can to keep that thing kind of tucked and hidden away. And just remind all of us today, it's just a chapter and we need to take a peek back at it because that's the power of what he's done. We constantly judge each other based on where we are. What if we start looking at each other about how much God has actually done? Come on, don't judge me on my current realities. Look at the past in which he's produced character and deliverance and healing and the authority of God in which I've been able to engage in a grace that I could never earn. The the thing that he does so well is he saves us from our sin, from ourselves, saves us from the things that ultimately should have left us dead, distraught, busted, and broken. And I just think we're so so quick to look past that What if we just take a glance and say, God, you've been good before. I know you're going to do it again. He is the same. He will not quit. He does not change. He is the God, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And if there's anything that's been worked in our lives for the good, come on, we don't want to forget. And the cross should lead us to this place as we take communion to remember the goodness of God and all that he's lavished upon us. The goodness. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24, he says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We just got to remember. Psalm 103, verse 2 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Man, how many of us have forgotten about the finished work of Christ. He says, from the creation, it is good and it is very good. And on the cross, he said, it is finished, but it's not done. That's where he's just getting started. But we can't forget the cross and what we need to do is look back at it. 
forgive me if you've heard me share this illustration, but the second point I want to share is this. We also need to look ahead to the coming of Christ. Uh, the illustration is this. I was driving um, a few months ago, and I pulled out of the parking lot, and I came to a light, and the, the light was green, and the person in front of me was stopped at the light, so I gave him a little Jesus loves you toot toot, like, hey, hey, sis, Jesus loves you. <laughs> and she looked in the rearview mirror like, I will eat your children. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> And, 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 and the light turned red, and we hung out, cool, and I thought, I'm just going to see what happens, because she looks like she's wanting to fight, and I don't really want to get down like that today. And so I'm waiting, the light turns green again, and somebody else comes up behind me, and I just think to myself, don't do it, bro. <laughs> don't do it. And he was like, he laid on the horn like Jesus is coming back, kind of, ha, get out of the way. And, and she started um, speaking out the window with, with, with a tongue that needs no interpretation. And, and, and she was saying things that we cannot repeat in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. And, 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 and she just started getting so upset. She got to the point where literally the thing behind her was stopping her from moving forward in all that she had in front of her. Did you know the rearview mirror is so much smaller than the windshield of your life? That the rear view is for glances and the windshield is for the glare for us to fix our gaze forward on all that it is. But we, we do so in our own agenda with our own understanding. We forget that it's not about what we have, it's about what God has. Did you know Jesus is coming back? He's coming back for a spotless, blameless beautiful bride and he says he's coming back and 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 he is not concerned with the with the timelines god does not think lineal he's outside of time but the devil is conscious of the time and he tries to capitalize on it to keep us in a place of fear and trepidation actually it says this in revelation 12 12 it says therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that the time is short. You know why we don't slow down to the point where we will pause and really take a place, a posture of peace? Because we think time is running out. No, no, no. The time is not running out for God's church and his people. The time is running out for the devil. Time is not running out for God's people. Time is winding up to the ultimate advent, the coming again of Christ. We cannot not look forward to all that he has. He will say, come and come into your inheritance. Come into your earthly, your, your eternal home. Come on. He has heavenly places set out, marked out for us. He knows what is in the front of us. But the problem is we get caught up with what's behind us. The pain of the reality that's what gets us to pause. And it's not a good pause. It's where we start looking to the pain of life and going, ow, ow, ow. I remember when I was a, a young person, when I was about 12 years old, I, I started coming to visit my dad in the area. And I was really into wrestling. Anybody remember wrestling? <laughs> not wrestling, wrestling, WWF. Yeah. And, and so my favorite dude was Randy Macho Man Savage. Ooh, yeah, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Snap into a Slim Jim. And uh, you remember anybody? 
And uh, I'm dating myself, right? And so we went to the Tacoma Dome to see wrestling. And I was into it, man. My dad liked Elizabeth. I was like, you're a creeper, stop it. And, and so I loved Randy Macho Man Savage. We were at the Tacoma Dome and, and my guy was up and he was wrestling and he got hurt. I was like, oh no, dad, Macho Man got hurt. What are we gonna do? He goes, you know it's all fake. I was like, what? Next thing you're gonna tell me, Santa's not real? What about the Easter Bunny? I got three bucks from the Tooth Fairy. I am holding on to that one with all hope. I was like, what, it's fake? He goes, yeah, it's not real. So I'm kind of rattled. I'm like, well, I'm gonna watch the rest of wrestling here, but I kinda, my little heart is broken inside. I'm a grown man at 12 years old and I'm crying tears within. Because I'm a man. I'm trying not to shed them on the outside. What's wrong? It's my allergies. <laughs> and so I was the kid that always wanted to stick around after the baseball game, after the wrestling match. I wanted to try to go get the autograph of the guy. Anybody used to do this? You know your baseball cards are worth nothing anymore? <laughs> I know. I can't go there yet. <laughs> but I waited around for the wrestlers to come out. And as we were waiting, one guy came out on crutches. Another guy came out in an arm sling. And my, came out, my guy came out with a neck brace. And I look at my dad. I go, huh, fake, huh? He goes, hey, just because the outcome is predetermined doesn't mean that there won't be pain in the process. He's coming again. We can't get caught up in what this life will produce as far as pain. We have to be willing to take a pause and to come to the seat of the Savior and say, Lord, what are you serving for supper? And we got to stop going out and getting full on the devastation. You know, every day a vulture wakes up and goes feeds on carnage and death. And the very same day, Every day, a hummingbird wakes up and goes and feeds on the sweetness of the nectar of life. We get to choose to perceive and see. Jesus says, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you see it? Don't you perceive it? It's not going to come in the natural. It's going to come in the supernatural. We have to see things as though they're not, as if we believe that they will be, because that's what God does, and he says we get to agree with him in that. And so we got to see it a little bit different. we got to look ahead with Jesus' coming and know that there's something greater that he's called us to do. And we won't be able to pause in this life and allow the, the rhythms of grace to lead us to a place where he says green pastures and still waters without taking good inspection. Let me say it like this. Number three, we need to look within with self-examination. Self-examination. First uh, Corinthians 11, 28, he says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I, I misinterpret that word examine, and I start doing this thing called self-diagnosis. Anybody else? Uh, what, what those things called hypochondriacs? <laughs> I think I self-diagnosed myself on WebMD, and I have typhoid. <laughs> you have typhoid. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I, 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 you know what I think I got? Uh, I, I think I got leprosy. There's no leprosy anymore. Well, yeah, it's called Hansen's disease now, and it only lives in armadillos. Well, how did you get it? Well, I met this guy from Texas, and we shook hands. So I think I might now have. We do this all the time. He tells us to take examination of self. He doesn't say diagnose yourself. 
Because when we go to self-diagnosis, we constantly go right to the death. Go right to the downward. We go right down to our worst. It's like being a parent. We're never as great as we think we are, and we're never as bad as we really, really want to make ourselves feel. Like we impose this pressure on ourselves to perform. And if we're not taking a true inspection of what God, by his grace, has afforded and allowed it in our life, then we're missing the mark. 2 Corinthians 13, a couple chapters later, Paul says this, he says, examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. Like, if somebody asked me, are you saved? I'd be like, of course I'm saved. Who do you think you are questioning my salvation? Anybody ever been there? Well, just the way you were acting at the red light when you were freaking out, looking like you were going to eat my children, I just thought, man, they need Jesus. <laughs> we go to this place where we, we don't look within we start looking without and identifying other people's faults that ultimately are finding themselves in us. The things that rear their ugly head that we usually have the biggest issues with are really the issues that we have inside of us. And it's so hard because we are like spiritual hypochondriacs. And when we, we come to that place where we will slow down, we don't want to slow because we think if I slow down enough, then I'm going to be aware of every problem that I ultimately have had on this earth. Yeah, didn't it mess with you? I don't want to slow enough because I don't want to know the real reality of the pain. But if you won't slow, you can never come to the place where you'll know the lifter and the lover of your soul to such a deep level. And he's allowed this pain in our life to afford us the process of healing because he wants to work the character of God within us. He'll heal us instantly. He says, some of you have ailments and weaknesses because you've been taking this in the wrong way. Some of us haven't slowed down to really commune with God. It's just been like a drive through where we get the bread, we get the wine, and we get it going, and we go ahead and move forward. And we say to ourselves, why am I dealing with so many problems? But he says, I have prepared a table in the presence of your enemies. And the greatest difficulty that we will ever engage in this life is the one that is within. And we need to take examination and not start to, start to diagnose ourselves. because when you are the self-diagnoser, you're also the self-prescriber. And then you start medicating yourself in different ways. Well, I'm just going to watch all of this chapter and the entire series of Netflix so I don't have to think about the heartache. Not anybody here, obviously. But we have to examine. We got to look behind. We got to look ahead. We have to look within. But he also says we need to look around. Look around the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11 Verse 29, he says, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ. I just think, you know, a lot of times we see this and we think of the body of Christ as the, the, the bread. And, and we have to look at the bread as, as the thing that we discern. And we start saying, is this wheat? <laughs> is this gluten-free? I mean, that's a real conversation these days. I'm just finding out I have some allergies myself. I'm allergic to work. Taking out the garbage. He says the body of Christ, it's, 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 it's not the symbolic representation, these physical representations of a spiritual principle that, that that's the problem. 
It's saying you are a part of a bigger plan. And you forget about what he's called us to be as the body of Christ. Well, 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 pastor, I can be a Jesus follower and not have to go to church. Absolutely. And you can be a fish out of water, but for how long? And it's, he's called us. This is, there's some inferring here in Psalm 23. It starts out, he says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. You know what he's inferring right there? He's inferring that he's the good shepherd, but we are the sheep. Bah. And you know, he says that in the, in the Passover meal, he says that the, the lamb was there to be consumed. And he even says, eat all of it, not part of it. Because we, we ultimately usually come to the Savior's supper, but he says, it's not the Savior's supper, it's the Lord's supper. And he says, you've got to understand that if I'm the Lord of your life, I've called you to be an integral part, a piece, a masterpiece of the master plan. And outside of the body of Christ, you cannot play the part that I've ultimately designed you to be that piece. And no matter how big or how small your piece is, when you're missing, it's not made whole. And he's got a master plan. He's called us to be this masterpiece. And I didn't say Master P. Uh, again, just like what. <laughs> but he knows what he's doing. He's saying, let this be a reminder of the small piece you play in the greater plan. And we are called to be better together. He's connected us, congruent. He's allowed us to collaborate. He says two are better than one. He says you were made, the lonely were made to be in family. And he's placed us there. And the body of Christ is ultimately symbolic in the brokenness of Jesus. And your broken peace still works together and builds the perfect beautiful bride of Christ so this is how he works we just have to take a deeper look we have to understand ultimately he says remember did you know the opposite of remember is not forget but it's dismember and like a sheep the Bible says like sheep we've all gone astray We've all dismembered ourselves from the greater body of Christ at one time or the other. And maybe it was a flippant disregard to the body of Christ. Like, no, I don't need to be there. I'm a rebellious sheep. I'm going to go over here. And that's, that's how this works. That's how the devil gets us out of the flock and finds ourselves by ourselves, vulnerable. And, and, and that's where we're most prone to the vicious attacks of the adversary. Or, or maybe we just put our head down and we're grazing and going about our business, not doing anything bad, but we've just done this thing so long that now all of a sudden we're going to take a look up and we'll be like, wait a minute, the shepherd's way over there. But let me just tell you, he's never moved. We're the sheep. We have no ability to protect ourselves outside of the flock. He says, this thing should remind us of the cross and all that he's done to crucify the old man and cleanse us of all impurity and unrighteousness. He says, this should be the reminder of all that is to come 
that Jesus is on his way. And though he tarries, it's just so that maybe one more might come to the saving grace of God. He says, you need to take self-examination, not self-diagnosis. Just take enough time to slow your roll. You're seeing the right thing in the wrong way because you're in a rush. But he says, you got, it's about the body. It's bigger than you and me. It's about Christ and his lordship in our life. And he's the one that's designed this whole thing. And he says, we're better together. And he's created for us to come together to commune with him and each other. Because he is at perfect peace within himself. And he says, let us create man in our like image. So if he's in peace in perfect communion with himself, then we will be in perfect peace in communion with each other. Amen. I hope this is helpful. It is echoing in the chambers of my soul. God is up to something good. And out of this peace, out of this rest, he will reveal to us the right work in which we will see the rich, righteous reward of Christ. Amen. I want to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Some of you are hearing these words and you've had a lot of experience in church. Maybe you've taken communion so many times that you don't even know what to do next because this is a new concept and understanding. It's taking us time to pause, to really reflect on the gift of what this is. And so I'm gonna invite the ushers to come forward and distribute the elements but I just ask us to just to pause, just to close our eyes for a moment, just to reorientate ourselves, to come to the place where we can do this with great, great eyes and identifying the gift. And so as this, these cups come, just take one, pass them down. You're probably gonna have to open your eyes for a moment. Sorry about that. But these elements, our ultimate symbols. Everything else that God calls us to do, he says you do by faith and not by sight. But when it comes to the receiving of communion, he says, I'm gonna give you tangible expression of a natural practical application with deep spiritual supernatural power. That there's healing power in the blood and the broken body. That there's transformation in these simple symbols. That there's deliverance from the days of your past that might haunt you. And he says, I'm making a new covenant with you. And what I now command is for you to commune and connect with me in a deep, beautiful way, but it's gonna require you to pause. And so as we have these elements, I would invite you to take the, the wafer on the top and would you do this with me? Would you hold it up? And he says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Come on, church, let's take. 
and then the juice, symbolic of his blood. You know, last night at our six o'clock gathering, um, we received communion and then I went home and my wife goes, what's that on your shirt? And I had a little, little dot of grape juice on my shirt. And so I, I take it off right there just to show her my chest, you know. <laughs> and I run into the kitchen, and I grab, turn on the water, cold water. And I just start rubbing away. I'm like, oh no, it's not coming out. And then I use a little soap. Oh my gosh, this isn't coming out. Soap, and then I'm like, I gotta go hardcore. I'm gonna head down to the spray and wash. Hit it up, waited, watched. Nothing happened. I'm going to go check it when I get home tonight. But the illustration is this, is that what this seemingly would stain in the natural is what cleanses us in the supernatural. This is God's healing power as we receive it. The, the reality is, is in God's beautiful design, we can't even receive it without looking up. There are physical realities in God's wiring and DNA of our life that he is connected to the cross, to Christ, and to his communion that is allowing us the, the liberty to just turn off and tune in and to stop looking at things and take a deeper look and say, Jesus, I'm examining, I'm engaging, and I'm allowing you to do the work that you're gonna do. I have no fear, no trepidation, I stand before a holy God and I receive the blood that cleanses me. Come on, let's drink. And I just want to invite you now, if you would, join me as you bow your heads and close your eyes. We never want to conclude an opportunity as we gather to extend invitation. Where Jesus said in Psalm 23, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says that he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Maybe you have some enemies. Maybe you are identifying the adversary. Maybe you've been your own worst enemy and you're willing now to get out of your own way. Or maybe you've been coming to the, the Savior's Supper for so long that you are just now realizing that it's not the Savior's Supper, it's the Lord's Supper. And you're willing to now lay down your life and say, Jesus, I no longer live, but it's you who lives in me. But if there's anybody here today that needs a savior, he need, you need a Lord. You need the lover of your soul. You need to be lifted up because you've been weighed down and running and the rhythms of this world are bogging you down, burdening you to such a degree that you do not know the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And today he's come to save you of your situation and lead you to green pastures and still waters. And if you're here and you're hearing these, these words and you wanna accept Jesus, it's simple but yet so profound. We believe that your hand can be an extension of your heart. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if this is you and God's tugging on your heart and you know this is you because you sense it, I just wanna know who I'm gonna pray for today. I'm going to count to three. If this is you, just shoot up your hand. One, two, three. This is me. You bet. Yep, yep, 
Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. You bet. Anybody else? Yep, yep. I see you. Don't let me. Yes, 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 yes. Awesome. Yep. Anybody else? Just wave at me. I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss you. Okay, you can put your hands down. You can put your hands down. Church, can we applaud and thank Jesus for those that give their life to him? Come on, let's make a joyful noise.